0: Good evening. You are listening to WERA 96.7 FM LP, Arlington, Virginia. Hey, ladies and gents, this is Yasmin Yazzie Speaks Arrington, host of Millennial Minds. Welcome and thanks for joining us. Today, I'm joined by a very special guest, Millennial Mind, Mr. Arthur Jones II, a.k.a. AJ. Arthur Jones II is a multi-skilled journalist and producer from Washington, D.C., telling the stories of people of color and the many connections between sports, culture, and society. He has published recent articles and projects for Sojourner's Magazine, Blavity, and also the undefeated ESPN. You can find his published work and podcast at Max Out Time with AJ2. Hey, AJ. Hey,
1: Yasmin, how are you?
0: I'm doing well. How are you? <laughs> I'm
1: just doing great. Um good. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Yes. Today. Welcome to Millennial Minds. So, uh, I always start by asking my guests, uh, what is your definition of a millennial?
1: Man, a millennial is a person, a young person, um, someone I'd say right now, from the high school age on up to around Thirty or so Mm -hmm. who is in this time period that's a little unknown you don't really know where you're going you're like you're not at the ceo point and you're not oprah or someone who's a seasoned uh a professional just yet but you have the power and the platform to be if you'd like to be um i feel like a millennial is just someone who's a go-getter Um, and who's, who's young, but knows they're not lacking in any area. I feel like a millennial is someone who can change the world. Um, my, my third episode of my podcast before you was with Hashim Walters, who's 22 years old and he's running for mayor of new Orleans. He's the youngest candidate ever, um, in that position. So he's running on the platform of be the change. He told me in our, the, our interview, which you should listen to on Patreon.com slash Max Out Time, mm-hmm. that JFK was young and he did it. Yes, you sure. know, mm-hmm. um, anything is possible if you have that millennial mindset. So that's what I usually think of millennial. Anything is possible, um, especially if your your goal is to spark change.
0: Mm-hmm. Very nice. Go get her. Be the change. Mm-hmm. Very nice. Very nice. Um, what do you think millennials can contribute to society in today's times right now so even though we're in this sort of moment time of discovery how how do you think that you know how can we like contribute to to the world today
1: well look at look at things that go viral on twitter you know those are all things that are done by millennials let's say um, so if there's something so the the D.C. girls, the missing girls in March, right. mm-hmm. someone said this girl went missing. And so these other 12 or 13 girls, we need to find them. Mm-hmm. And it went viral on Twitter, which then led to the town hall meeting, which then led to the girl that they found. And that was on Fox five and on local news, which then led to finding some more of these girls who were out there. So I think that's uh really indicative of the power of millennials and the power of the change that we have because twitter wasn't around 15 years ago so someone who was of the high school college age necessarily not didn't necessarily have that platform of change right. but now if you have twitter snapchat uh, vine and instagram and facebook You can do whatever you set your mind out to. And if that's to to make change, which it should be for most of us, right, Mm -hmm. then go ahead and do it because you have it all at your disposal.
0: Yeah. Uh, Social media is a very powerful tool and uh, millennials, we essentially we we grew up in that transition oh yeah of, we sure uh, did fast because it went from technology. it went from
1: facebook and myspace because <laughs> it, it yeah, was myspace right. and all that. i even had a bebo page i don't know if you remember that i was the no, same as really. myspace but it was a little bit <laughs> different you didn't have tom sending you messages and all that um and then it went to facebook shortly after right. and i think i was in like mm, fifth grade when mm-hmm. facebook came out right mm-hmm. so um, we definitely grew up with it. There's a lot of things that we've grown grown up with. We mm-hmm. grew up with a, a black president that no one else in the history right. of the world yeah, can say. Seen. So yeah, okay. we this generation has grown grown up literally, you know, um, their childhood and now their millennialhood was through some great times of change. Yeah, definitely. Whether it be technological or social, mm-hmm. you know, all of that.
0: So tell me some more about uh, college, and specifically about your experience as an athlete in college. Um, and I'm particularly interested in uh, your experiences in football and basketball. How was your schedule like? And how were you treated? You know, by the the staff, um, by your coaches, by your peers players just how was that experience like because i never i never grew up mm-hmm. well in high school i played sports I was but sport. but in college what you say now what sport um i played te- multiple sports i paid, played tennis okay and i played volleyball okay and i played basketball in at, high banneker. School. Yeah, at banneker yeah i Okay,
1: look at yeah. them little achievers. <laughs> look at the
0: achievers. I'm so done. <laughs> yeah. But it's not about me. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, so, but how is that, like, in college, you know? Because I always felt like the majority, at least the school, you know, where I where I went to college, you know, the makeup of the school, the majority were, you know— um, affluent people mm-hmm. and people of other mm-hmm. uh, backgrounds. Went to Elon, you Elon, know, correct? I, yes, I did. I went to Elon University. So, you know, okay. the majority of people were Caucasian. However.
1: Doug uh, wasn't, though.
0: No, no, no. Doug and Danny
1: were, though. No, no,
0: no. Doug and Danny were. they like not.
1: the Obamas of the millennial <laughs> generation. That's that's what I call them. I
0: love it. I love yeah. it. But I mean, you know, but I noticed that the majority of the athletes were african-american or mm-hmm. of a of a different you mm-hmm. know of other cultural background. so i'm just interested what that looked like how
1: was that for you mm. so two things my background like i like i kind of stated before i played three sports from 11 years old to 12 years old um i was football basketball and track um every year for seven years straight So at an academically rigorous institution like St. Albans School, um, time management was key, uh, especially when you are such such involved when you're so involved with sports like I was, you know. Um, So I learned how to balance and manage my time in like the sixth or seventh grade um, to a pretty high degree um, because I was playing three sports no matter what. And even in the summertime was training and even doing summer classes and stuff like that. So I was used to that whole mentality of get my schoolwork done um, and then go out to practice and be a beast or what have you. So um, I had been doing that for seven years before I got into college. Now, the way that that changes in college is not only is everyone a beast on the field, but it just ratchets it up a notch athletically academically um I had zero issues not zero but almost no issues with managing that transition because I was used to a very strict set schedule you know homework was checked every single day um for years and years and years and you get to college and it's like you got a class here you got a class there you don't have classes back to back usually Um, in terms of you don't have a class Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, like that, like you do in high school. So you do your homework for one class one night and do the homework for the other class the other night. Boom, done. Um, So the academic transition was fine for me. Uh, I was actually able to graduate early because I took so many classes while playing sports and did well in those classes Uh, because high school prepared me for that, both athletically and academically. But when you go out to practice... Think about think about this. Um, I was all conference in you know the Washington D.C. private school league. Right, every player on that team was either all conference, all American, and whatever state they lived in. Um, so everyone mean, was good. Everyone was good. Everyone it? was. It means you were. You got to break it player. down for. It means you were the best. <laughs> you were at your position. You were the best along with maybe one or two other people in that entire conference of schools. So the mm-hmm. DCPS okay. conference is called DCI So that's okay. HD, Woodson, Wilson, um, so division, Anacostia. But yeah. Right. So in okay. the private school division, I was one of the best, right?
0: Okay. That means if you're conference, that means you're one mm-hmm. of the best. Okay. Got you. Interesting. Yeah, yeah.
1: I was one of the best. Mm-hmm. So there's thousands of conferences around the United States and every person on a football team at the college level was all conference. Everyone was the best person no matter where they came from. So when there's a hundred other people on your team who are all the best in their city, you got to step up and show out. I can can only imagine
0: the pressure there. (laughs) Right. That
1: was the athletic transition for me realizing that, you're not just going to play just because you're all conference in some little private school league in D.C. <laughs> that was the transition for me. Interesting. Mm-hmm. interesting. Mm-hmm. And
0: did you did you have good treatment, you know, from 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 your peers, from your coaches? and
1: Yeah, I, I, I really love my experience. Uh, I feel like I feel as though it was a fair experience because I was a walk on, which means. Um, you were not giving a full athletic scholarship so there was like about 80 or so guys who were given full athletic scholarships everything was given to them because they were an athlete I walked on and, and basically chose to be an athlete they signed oh you can do that right oh. yeah they signed a, a letter of intent in high school to say I am going to this school to play football mm-hmm. and get right. my education but it's to play football i said you know i want to play football pick me essentially Mm -hmm. so there's a a little bit of a difference within a walk-on and right mm -hmm. within a walk-on and a top-notch recruit who is doing it to play um but they treated us equally Mm -hmm. Um, my coach was a walk-on when he was in college so he respected us um he 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 had high respect for the walk-ons, and a lot of us actually played, and I was one of them. Thankful to be one of them, who um, for four years, uh, at least three of them, I played in a number of games. Wow, mm-hmm. that's awesome. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, I'm glad to. Sounds like you had a great uh, college career. And you were clear what you you discovered what you wanted to do early yeah. on and you got into broadcast journalism and you decided to be on the football team and you were respected and treated well. And I'm really glad like that. I'm, I'm really glad to hear that everything is working out well.
1: Doesn't happen everywhere. <laughs> I, I, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I
0: know. Um, so speaking, since we're on the topic of football and um, athletics you know lately in the news we've been hearing a lot and and on social media it's all over my feeds um about protesting and you know in this colin kaepernick mm-hmm. uh, situation so if you could just enlighten us on you know what what has happened with him and his career and what that's like what people are doing as a result of that
1: so on august 14th 2016 colin kaepernick was uh actually the backup quarterback for the San Francisco 49ers, the, the professional football team in San Francisco. And in football, they do a preseason and a regular season. So the preseason is four games in August um, where basically, you know, you kind of fine-tune things, see where you're at, and then you go and play the regular season from that point and try to win the Super Bowl, correct? And so on August 14th, which was the first preseason game for the 49ers, during the National Anthem, Colin Kaepernick, the quarterback, um, he sat to down. No, oh, no, 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 he, he, he sat down. No, okay. he sat on the bench, Okay, did not stand up. And the only person to take notice of it was the only black journalist in the press box. So the journalists sit all the way up in the press box all the way up at the top so you know it's almost like if they have binoculars they might actually have them up there but um, they're looking <laughs> down they can see everything mm-hmm. so the only person who really took notice is this what of the
0: exact stay to or not? right okay yeah. all of that is that, called the press box the area. press box okay mm-hmm. the all elite the, the elite up there yeah you can say
1: it. <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah so oh that's
0: how i imagine it at least <laughs> it is it's fancy winding
1: down in certain parts of it but then there's a part where there's journalists there's just looking there mm. to see what's going on X, Interesting that they're
0: not on the field as opposed to looking from, it from the box. Some of the people
1: on the actual broadcast, so you hear on TV, they might be on the field. Um, and then when you see them on TV, you see them standing on the sidelines. Okay. Those are called sideline reporters. Um, and there's other people who might not be in the press box. Um, I'm not exactly sure from game to game which you do press box versus sideline. but yeah. So the only person who really took notice of it was Steve Weiss of NFL Network. He's an HU grad, actually.
0: HU? Yeah,
1: so he's the only black journalist up there, and he was like, "Um, someday right, you know? So after the game, after everyone had left, he went up to Colin. he says, yo, man, what's up? You sat down for the national anthem? Is there something wrong? I've seen you've been pretty vocal on social media because this was three weeks after Alton Sterling and Philando Castile and all of that, that last July. And he said, yeah, I'm not going to stand for a song that represents a country that oppresses so many of the black and brown people in this country. And then the officers just get off with it. You know what I'm saying? They get, yeah. they they walk yeah. away, mm-hmm. you know, Oftentimes, paid, paid, paid yeah. leave and they go right on their day on with their day. So he was like, wow. Okay. Um, so he came out with a story saying colin kaepernick is not going to stand for the national anthem because of x and then after the next season preseason game he did it again and people started to catch on and then after i think i believe it was maybe the third preseason game they had a press conference and he said what he told steve weiss basically he's not going to stand there was someone from the military um who wanted to come to a middle ground and said, look, you know, maybe this isn't the best thing to do. And he said, I agree with what you're saying. You're in the military. You're a veteran. But this is my stance. I'm not changing it. So he said, well, at least let's come to a knee. So at first he was sitting down, just chilling on the bench. (laughs) okay, um, because he wasn't playing. I think he was also injured at that time, but he wasn't going to stand up. So then before the last preseason game, he decided to take a knee because some military veteran who actually used to play in the NFL um, said, maybe we should hash this out and talk this out. And they came to a literal middle ground. He didn't stand. He didn't sit, but he took a knee. And ever since then, he went on through the season, and people, players stood with him, if you will, took a knee with him or did the Black Power sign or whatever they – wanted to do to help him in his protests. Um, But essentially he just got backlash from social media and everyone and lost endorsements and everything. And he said, look, I'm not changing anything. If this stuff keeps going on, I'm not standing for that anthem. And that's a really powerful. He stood, he stood by that the whole year. And he said, you know what? I'm serious about this. And he became so outspoken and so just out there with his protests and more power to him. He has been, he's on a $1 million pledge right now to donate to charities. A lot of the charities uh, of, of young black children, black men, black young females um, and their organizations, because he means what he says. He is for the children. And he believes that people like us should stop being killed and slain so he's on a one million dollar pledge from sometime last year to now. He's at nine hundred thousand dollars of that pledge. Wow. He meant what he said, and he believes what he means. That's so powerful. Um, and and in March, be the change. He he is the change. Mm-hmm. He's gonna go down in in history. Oh, definitely already. Yeah, already is right. Mm. So in March, when he wasn't on the 49ers anymore, he's trying to look for a different team. He has not had a team since March. So six months. March of last year. March of 2017.
0: Oh, of this year. Okay. Right.
1: You see what I'm saying? So he went through the whole season. The season ended in January. And then in March, he didn't have a job anymore. Since March, he has not had a job. And he's been giving all this money away to charities. Mm-hmm. And he's been so outspoken about these social change issues. And NFL owners are like, look. We're not going to put up with you. We're not going to have that dis- distraction. I put that in quotation marks. Right. In the locker room and with the press, like, you know, he's doing something wrong. Like he killed someone or like he actually committed a crime. But he he hasn't done anything but take a kneel for the anthem, wow. which but that was says a, a lot about protest.
0: that says a lot about the industry and I guess or like NFL and how, you know, coaches and I mean, I... It, I'm not going to go down the road of, you know, saying that players are exploited and so on and so forth. But it just I think it says a lot on both on both sides. And I think it's extremely impressive, you know, that Colin Kaepernick over, over the course of time. And I'm sure it will continue just how his stand, you know, because maybe who's to say like maybe the average person probably would have never sat down, you know, when it comes, because our natural inclination as we've been raised sort of as Americans is to, it's almost just like it's programmed. You just stand up for the national anthem and you put your, you know, right hand like on your chest, over your heart and you, you you know, you either sing or you stand there, right? And so for him to have made that connection to say, oh no, I'm not going to stand up for uh, a nation and a and a song that that, you know, sings about about, you know, freedom and unity and all of this. But
1: and we don't got and, it.
0: And we don't have it. We don't, we don't got it, it. We don't have it. That's just it's amazing to me. And I've and I'm seeing a lot and it's causing like he's caused a movement of young of people and even millennials you know people have got the tur- shirts on like we we stand with stand with, Colin, Kaepernick. Mm-hmm, yeah. with Kaepernick and it's just really I mean I'm I'm very humbled and inspired by his by his determination and his um for someone in his position to to take that kind of risk to make that sort of powerful statement that says a lot and I do believe that his action and actions will affect you know affect us hopefully more
1: positively in the long term but and you know what yasmin he is a prime example of a millennial mind
0: yeah how colin kaepernick
1: is only you know when i wrote a uh, term paper in school back in december like my last final paper my big paper um, I believe he was 28 years old. So wow. He, yeah, he's he definitely made, a millennial He's probably mind. about 29 right now. He's a millennial mind. Mm. And it's just interesting that we have come together and stood with him because a couple weeks ago they went to the NFL office in New York City and boycotted the NFL office to get him a job. And wow. that that's wow. all social media. That was Spike Lee and people on wow. Facebook and yes. Instagram. I love it. Who came together. I love it. You know, and people are doing blackout the NFL, basically turn off the the TVs. Mm -hmm. Because what we want to do is if they won't give this man his due, then we won't give the NFL their due by watching the actual broadcast every Sunday. Which
0: that's powerful, too, because, you know, how many sports fans (laughs) and fanatics are going to cut off that TV or not
1: or not actually show up? To right or games. show up to the games and mm-hmm. buy the tickets mm-hmm. and buy the memorabilia oh, and buy wow. the jerseys. That. That, it's, it's a whole. So if the viewership goes down, then maybe the owners are like, "Well, we're actually losing our money now," mm-hmm. and that, that's the that's, name that of the game. Money talks. That's the money, name of the game. Money talks. Every owner of the NFL, you know how much of this they got? They are billionaires. Oh, I know. If people don't show up to their games <laughs> and don't watch their games. It ain't no way they can't not let him back mm-hmm. in. But that has to be but a lot that, of people though, too. That's gotta be a lot of people. Woo. A lot. You know how many people watch NFL I, football? I
0: probably like what millions? Millions, oh if not more.
1: It's full. It's <laughs> it's up there.
0: I can only imagine. I
1: mean, if the Jets and the Colts and those both those teams are awful, if those two teams were playing, <laughs> you'd still get views. You still get views. So it's gonna take a, a huge movement that I do not know. If everyone will get on board with this, um, but
0: but still hopefully
1: I'm I'm hopeful of him getting a job, but yeah. it's looking as though right now that he will not because they think of it as they will lose money to this black man who's a distraction. Mm. And if you don't know, now, now you know.
0: know. Woo! Wow, AJ. Uh, thank you for enlightening us, and I've certainly <laughs> learned a lot. Uh, do you have any final thoughts or any, um, any pieces of advice to our our millennial our millennial listeners and even even our Gen X and Baby Boomers? You know, the older generations. Any final words? And then, of course, you know, leave the folks with your social media and 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 uh, hashtags and handles and website.
1: Well, well, you talked about Gen X and baby boomer. So, so you know, my mom uses this little thing. It's called If you can't see what I'm holding up because we're on the radio. <laughs> this is an iPhone 7.
0: Uh-huh. And I this have the is, Samsung Galaxy. This,
1: it, and, and they're coming out with so, iPhone 8 for 1200 uh-huh. $1,300 in oh a couple weeks. Um, Y'all are crazy. You know, it better do surround sound, <laughs> home movies, and pop the popcorn for me. And
0: um, what do you call the movies when you put the glasses on?
1: An Animate? 3D. 3D. Um, back to the Future. So, if you got one of these, everyone out here, whether it's a, a droid or what, I don't know if they do it, but... Whether yes, we do. T- <laughs>
0: <laughs> Excuse me.
1: What, what whichever <laughs> one of these you got out there, use it for good. You know.
0: Yes, that's a beautiful use message. It,
1: use it for social and impactful change. And if you're going to be on social media, use it wisely, because there's a wrong way to do social media and there's a right way to do it. Just like everything, right? So this this little device that we've got this day and age, this is a millennial game changer okay so if you're on social media and everything and you have um something that needs to be heard or a voice throw it on social media and and see what happens with it you know be active with your facebook friends about issues that you want to be heard you know what i'm saying because if you got a phone or a laptop you can be the change you can change the world at the click of a button And then that wasn't the case 30 years ago. Mm -hmm. Um, And and even my mom and all of everybody from any age right now is really starting to learn that because the only reason why we even know the stories of, unfortunately, Philando, Alton Sterling, and those people is because those videos were captured, Facebook Live, social media. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, again, even that evidence couldn't overturn some of these rulings um but one day Which it will is crazy but one day it will because yeah. it, it can't it can be very impactful so start using these phones wisely that's what i would um my last parting words would be an advice for the millennial minds out there you know use your social media and use your phones and the platform that you have even though you might not know that you have that platform you got it to ignite some change in this world because we need it today, you know? Very powerful, AJ. And if you would like to follow me on social media, there you go. on www.patreon.com slash maxouttime or maxouttime slash post where you can see all of my interviews, all of my shows, writing, and, you know, anything that I've done in the last, you know, three months or so this summer. And also um, on I'm on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. If you just type in Max Out Time or Max underscore out underscore time, um, it'll come up, I'm sure. And then Facebook, it's just Max Out Time with AJ2 as well. Um, my name again is Arthur Jones II, and that's my handle on my my personal social media.
0: All right. Well, that's our time for today. Thank you for joining me. Yazzie Speaks on Millennial Minds on WERA 96.7 FM LP, Arlington, Virginia. Till next time. Peace.